Titus chapter number 2, verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, deny, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. i got to read verse 15 because here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Would you help us pray? Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, for the word of God. Thank you for letting us have a copy. Thank you for inspiring this Bible. Thank you for moving men, moving them by the Holy Ghost of God to write down and pin down your very words. Thank you for preserving your word. And then thank you for giving it, translating your word in the English so we could read it. Thank you, Lord God, for eyes to look upon it. Thank you for a mind to be able to read and understand it. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost on the inside to guide us unto all truth. I pray you'd help us now as we try to pray Preach, help us preach with power and of the Holy Ghost of God. I pray tonight if there be one lost in our midst and does not know this grace of God, I pray today would be the day of salvation. And then if there's somebody that maybe has not separated themselves under the things of God by the grace of God, I pray they would. God, if there's somebody not believing in the, the return of the Lord, I pray today they'd see that you're soon coming. And I pray we'd get about your business. Help us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God. Notice with me in your Bible, we've been working through Titus here for a while. In Titus chapter 2, we began the qualifications of a church member or the standards of a church member. Last Wednesday night, we dealt with that office of an employee, an employer, or, or, or what the Bible calls servant and master, and how you ought to be on the job, and how you ought to be a Christian when you work. And, uh, and I believe we ought to be the greatest workers on the job. We ought to be the best test, have the best testimony of work ethic on the job. But then all of a sudden, in all of this, in verses 1 through 10, there has been a command for the aged men, the aged women, the young women, the young men, and then now the worker uh, and the servant and the master. And now all of a sudden, in verse number 11, for, that word for, why does all this matter? Well, I told you in the last few weeks the reason we ought to live right in this present world is because this world is not getting our Bible and reading it to find out what our doctrine is. They're not getting the church covenant and reading it and find out what our doctrine is. They're not looking on the website for the articles of, of faith uh, to find out what our doctrine is. But my friend, the world, what they think of the White Graves Baptist Church and our doctrine is your deportment and how you live in this world and how they see you act and how they see you behave. You are a testimony of the doctrine that you really believe you behave what you really believe you might have a King James Bible under your arm but you live an NIV life 
Or stink, you got a King James Bible and you live like an atheist. I mean, you claim a old time religion for church, but man, you live like a, a pagan. You live like somebody don't know God at all. And the world is watching you and they are le- learning your doctrine by the way you live. That's why it's important. And so then, if that doesn't motivate you to adorn the doctrines of God, to make God look good, uh, to make the doctrines of God beautiful, uh, to make them decorated in this way, if that doesn't motivate you, uh, then this next thing ought to motivate you. For the grace of God. Look at here. It says the grace of God that bringeth salvation have appeared. I think about where it said in 1 Timothy 3, 16, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Uh, the Bible said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. In the gospel, according to John, in chapter number 1 and verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen, Jesus Christ came for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared. Jesus came that we might have life. And Jesus came bringing salvation. He is the grace of God. Jesus Christ. And my friend, He had to come. He had to come. Why? Because in Adam, every man will die. And every man has died. Uh, For as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men uh, for all have sinned and in Adam all men die but in Christ uh, all men shall be made alive thank God Uh, there could be no life until the appearing of salvation offered by God's amazing grace and the grace of God that bringeth salvation has have appeared. Hallelujah. I don't know if you can tell. I'm excited about the grace of God tonight. The grace of God, watch this, bringeth salvation. Glory to God. A salvation is by grace. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. Uh, for we are saved, for by grace are we saved, and we, for by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Hey, listen, our, it is the grace of God that He presents us salvation. Uh, my Bible. The Bible said in verse number 11, uh, Acts chapter 15, uh, in Acts chapter 15, uh, it was settled at that council. It was settled there in Acts chapter 15 uh, that the works of righteousness could not save you. No work was needed in addition uh, to faith in Jesus Christ. And this is the declaration that they made. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we shall be saved. Hallelujah. And Romans 3 and 28, uh, the Bible said this, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. My friend, salvation is the product of us receiving the gift of God's grace this morning, evening. Amen. Romans eleven sixteen said this, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. 
But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Listen, you can't have works and grace mixed. It's either works or it's grace. It's either grace or it's works. Or grace is no more grace. Or work is no more work. And thank God we believe, we believe that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, listen. Any attempt... To add your works to the salvation received freely through the Lord Jesus Christ, it only frustrates the grace of God. That's Galatians chapter 2. It frustrates the grace of God. I know none of you have ever been frustrated. But you won't frustrate the grace of God. You try to add your goodness. You try to add your righteousness. You try to add your works and your religion to the grace of God. All you're doing is frustrating the grace of God is what you're doing. Listen, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Now listen, he died for us. Hallelujah. He rose again. Hallelujah. He showed a lot of mercy, but he didn't save us by his mercy. Watch this. Mercy is what prompted him to send a Savior. Hallelujah. And listen, if one man can be saved by the mercy of God, then all men be saved by the mercy of God. But listen, it wouldn't have been necessary for Christ to die because mercy sent the Savior. Mercy sent the Savior. That wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for Jesus just to walk on this planet. It wasn't enough for him just to live a perfect life. It wasn't enough for him to be the greatest preacher there has ever been. It was not enough for him to be a miracle worker. That's mercy that God sent the Savior. Watch this. He didn't save us by his love. Oh, he loved us. Oh, yes. And his love is, 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 it is unconditional. Watch this. It's incomprehensible. Really can't even comprehend the love of God. The breadth of his love, I don't understand it. It's unexplainable. <laughs> I can't explain it, really. It's love. Everybody talks about all these Greek words that mean love. I don't know all that. I just know love, and I can't explain the love of God. I don't know why God would love somebody like me. I know this. The Bible says this, that, uh, that the, the greatest love, greatest love was that a man would lay down his life for his friend. I know I say it a lot, but you ought to get a hold of it, friend. If you ever get a hold of it, you're liable to run from here to, here to Timbuktu and back, amen? You're liable to make a laugh. You're liable to shout, amen? Some of you need to get a shout, amen? You ever get a hold of this? He said the greatest love known to mankind is that a man lay down his life for his friend. But watch this. We wasn't the friends of God. Ephesians chapter 2 said we were at enmity with God. We were fighting against God. We were God's enemy. And I mean if the greatest love man could ever produce is, is to lay down his life for his friend. What kind of love is it that the God of all glory would lay down his life for his enemy? One who spit in his face. One who denied his deity. The one who said that we can live without you. The one that said we reject you and we don't want any part of you. What kind of love is it that God would lay down his life for his enemy? Oh, this love's great. It's wonderful. Watch it. He didn't save us by his love. It motivated him to move toward us. You know, he's, he's not just love, he's holy. He's just. He's righteous. So in the holy demands of God, in the holy, in his just claims, and his righteous standards, they had to be met. So couldn't just have mercy. Just couldn't have love. Hmm. The love of God, the love of God 
God, He longs to save us. But the law of justice says it's got, got to be more than love. Got to be more than mercy. There's got to be justice. So hallelujah. So, so Christ died for our sins. And he met the holy demands of God's justice. And now he can save us by his grace. How wonderful it is to be saved by the grace of God on a Wednesday night when we were guilty. A Christ paid the penalty. Hey listen, a grace, grace is not complicated. And thank God grace is not implicated with our human effort. A God doesn't ask you to cooperate God does not ask you to for your conduct. He doesn't ask you for your character in order to save you. God saves you. He just asks you to believe on Him, trust in Him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I say God's way is the best way. And I say God's way is the only way. Amen. Hallelujah for grace. If I don't motivate you to do something for God, you just need to get saved. Amen. That's all I can say about it. Watch this now. It's getting better. For the grace of God. Look at For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to, what's those last two words of verse 11? How, say that again. It don't say elect. It don't say those predestined for heaven. It says all men. Oh man, hey, you may follow the teachings of some uh, crazy Catholic or some kind of Protestant or some kind of somebody else uh, who said there's only a select few going to heaven and everybody else is down for hell. Uh, but my friend, the Bible said uh, that he reaches, that the grace of God reaches uh, to all men. Uh, the grace of God has appeared uh, to all men. And just in case you wondered, if we're taking that verse and pulling it out, Twisting around. First Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 3 through 6. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Oh my friend, listen. My Savior, he came and he just Played the grace of God for every man to all men. Hallelujah. First Timothy 4.10. I told you I felt like preaching if you felt like listening. First, 10, first Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Watch this. Who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. This may hair up some of you. We don't care. He's a savior of everybody that's rejected him too. Now they've rejected him. They're going to go to hell rejecting the blood of Jesus Christ. They're going to go to hell rejecting the gift that he's offered. But that Bible said he's the savior of all men. Here's why. Because there ain't no other way. There is no other savior. There's no other way of salvation. He's the savior of all men. Hallelujah. Here's just one more verse to put in your hat. Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 9. But we see Jesus. <laughs> who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Hallelujah. Thank God. I'm glad. I'm glad for a whosoever will gospel. Because I'm telling you, if you was picking folks for heaven, you wouldn't have picked me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't
don't want to get stopped here. I got a whole lot more to go. But I'm telling you, friend, I'm glad it's all man salvation. I'm glad it's every man's salvation. I'm telling you, you would not have chose me. You would not have picked me. But I'm glad, hallelujah, that I heard the gospel as a little boy and I placed my faith in the grace of God and he saved me. Hallelujah, glory to God. Amen. Mm, glory to God. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto to all men. Look what verse 12 says. Teaching us. Don't, get, don't, don't stop right there. Nobody likes school. Nobody likes school. But when God saves us, He puts us in school. And He teaches us some things. Look what it says. Verse number 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, Godly in this present world. How about this? God's example of bringing salvation to a lost and rebellious people. And that salvation being offered freely by His grace ought to be sufficient enough to teach us what manner of people we ought to be. When you think about how lost you were, you think about how rebellious you were. You think about how ungodly you were when Christ came to you and offered you His grace and He displayed His grace for you and said, I'll save you. I'll change your life. Listen, that ought to teach us what kind of people we ought to be. You know what we ought to be? We ought to deny everything that's not of God. We ought to reject Everything God rejects. We ought to refuse everything that God is not. You know what? We ought to make no concessions for the things that are not heavenly and righteous. Listen to me. This teacher, Grace, Grace, this teacher never takes recess. Grace never takes a break. Grace Never sends a substitute. You know what? Grace is always teaching. Grace is always teaching. But just like us that teach for a living, students ain't always listening. I'm just going to say this. We've got to run. But Grace is teaching you. If you're saved, he's teaching you. Are you listening? Are you learning? Are you leaning on your understanding? Are you leaning on the on grace's understanding are you leading a life that says I've been taught something I meet our students especially some of these that recently graduate and I'll see them out and about I'll see them in, in certain and, uh, and we always picking at each other and they'll say something that ain't right their grammar ain't right which you know I ain't I don't know much about that you can tell just 30 minutes of preaching y'all can't I can't grammar but I, you know they'll say something they'll do something and I'll say where in the world did you go to school at and they'll say, well, you were my teacher. <laughs> they'll say, you're my, and I'll say, well, you ain't making me look good. And I wonder, if, if, if Mr. Grace says that about me, I, I'll say he does. Because he's my teacher, but I ain't listening. He's my teacher. He's teaching. He's up at the board teaching. We ain't learning. It ain't Grace's fault. Amen. It ain't his fault. He's perfect. Now, I'm not. I'm an imperfect teacher. 
I, ain't, I, can't, I don't know it all. I don't know everything there is to know to teach people everything they need to know. And I don't know the best me- I know a lot of good methods. I've read a lot of books. I've had a lot of classes and all this kind of stuff. I know a lot of good methods, but I ain't the best. But he is. And if you ain't learning, it ain't his fault. If you ain't listening, it ain't his fault. If you ain't leading a life that's pleasing to him, it ain't his fault. So what's he teaching us? That denying ungodliness and worldly lust. You think about Jesus. He's our prime example, isn't he? All right, so if we're looking at Jesus, to save us, he humbled himself down. And he suffered temptations in all points, like as we are, without sin. He humbled himself down, and he faced all of that temptation. Watch this. He rejected Satan's offer of all the kingdoms of the world. You know why he done that? So he could, he made all these denials so that he could present himself a perfect sacrifice for our sin. I believe this. If we'll meditate on his life, and we meditate on his purpose, I, I just think it would compel us to live soberly, to live righteously, to live godly in this present Here we are again in Titus, this small little book. Here in Titus and in in, in all the New Testament, really, God God wants us to know we are secure in Christ. Thank God for the grace of God. He wants us to know that we're certain in God's promise of eternal life. Thank God you can have assurance of your salvation. But after that, it's always followed with an immediate reminder or a command or an appeal to good works. Every time. There's a security and certainty of our salvation. Now, on to good works. Listen to me, God didn't save you to watch you continue in the bondage of sin. God didn't save you to watch you continue serving sin's folly. God didn't save you for you to continue being duped by the devil. But God saved you unto good works. Why? That you might live sincerely. That you might have a life, watch this, and this is big, without offense at the judgment seat of Christ. How about you? I want to live a life that I do not have an offense at the judgment seat of Christ. We are to strive to live a life that is free from offense. The Bible says this, that if we offend in one point, it makes you guilty of all. That's why you pointing fingers at everybody else's sin. You ain't doing no good because you're guilty of everything when you break one. You listening? Now there's different punishments for sin. You better believe that. Amen. That's God's economy. You ain't going to get the same punishment for lying as you are killing somebody. But lying's a sin. The Bible says you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all. Now watch this. You really want to go to God like that? You want to go meet the one who bled and died for you like that? You want to go meet the Savior who gave everything for your sin and go with a bunch of blemishes? I said it on the, I don't know, I think it was Sunday or Wednesday night. I think I said it. God ain't coming for a broke down bride. Amen. He don't want a church with a tater sack on. Amen. 
He's coming with a, for a beautiful bride. I'll tell you the only way we can strive to be like Christ. The only way we can strive to be like Christ is by His grace. <clears throat> Somebody said, you're crazy. You're a fanatic, holy roller, cult leader, legalist. I love when somebody calls me legalist. I love it. Because I'd rather be legal than illegal. Amen. I'm like, get me a shirt. I probably wouldn't wear it, but I'd, I'd keep it in my closet. Amen. I call them graphic. I, but I, I thought about this. This is just reasonable service. It's just just reasonable service. Hey, listen, there's nothing unreasonable about laboring to bring your life in full conformity to God's will. There's nothing unreasonable about bringing your life in full subjection to God's word. There's nothing unreasonable about, about, about put, placing your feet in the path of God's way for your life. There's nothing, there's, there's not, there's nothing unreasonable about that. It's just, it's just reasonable. It just makes sense. I'm talking about the one who gave his back to the smiters. The one who gave his cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. Talking about the one who gave his hands and his feet to the nails. The one who gave his side to the spear. The one who gave his blood for our salvation, my friend, until the blood, until the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ becomes real in you, you'll never see the need of presenting your body to live in sacrifice. The reason you don't give yourself over to God is because you don't think that Calvary means much. Oh, you'll sing it. Years I spent in vanity and pride. Raise your hand, shout amen. Shed a little tear. But I'll tell you how you prove it means something to you. As you say, oh Lord, you presented your body a perfect sacrifice. And I ain't perfect, but I'm going to give my body a living sacrifice. Because you gave everything for me. You ransomed heaven for me. I know some of you are saying, listen to much of these liberals. Well, the blood of Jesus Christ cleans us from all sin, past, present, and future. And that's right. That ain't no license to sin. Because the reality is you're going to stand before the judgment seat. And First John says there's going to be many that are going to be ashamed at the judgment. First Corinthians 3 says there's going to be many that suffer loss at the judgment seat of Christ. Why? They're going to see all that earthly work burn up. God help us to see the need to labor that we might be blameless, that we might be faultless, that we may stand at the judgment seat of Christ without offense. I say the grace of God teaches us how to work. The grace of, the grace of God teaches us that we ought to do the work. The grace of God teaches us the reason why we do the work. Believe this, the fruit of the Spirit, believe this with all my heart, believe this is Bible, the fruit of the Spirit is put in you when you get saved. The seed is. And I believe when you get saved, there is a measure of that fruit that is shown once you're saved. The Bible says we ought to go on to perfection. What does that mean? Then we ought to be filled 
with the Spirit. Listen, listen, listen. We're not just to declare our union with Christ with a fruitful life on rare occasion. Some of you live in this up and down Christian life. That is not the will of God for your life. And it ain't God's fault. And listen, it ain't nobody's fault but your own. God don't call you to live this up and down. One day I'm fruitful. One day I'm barren. One day I'm fruitful. One day I'm barren. No, that's not the way God wants you to live. God wants us to get to a place in our life where the fruit of the Spirit is a constant rule in our life, not an exception. It ought not be the exception. It ought to be the rule in our life. That love, that joy, that peace, that long suffering, that ought to be just the way we are. And it ought to be odd if we're not manifesting that fruit. So, so here's the thing. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? I know for our salvation, but you know why ultimately he came? To glorify God. That's what, that's what he said in, in John 17, that, that priestly prayer he prays. He came to do, his, to do God's will, to glorify him. And to praise God, that's what he came to do. Why did he live a perfect, sinless life and reject all that temptation? To glorify God. Why did he go to Calvary and bleed and die there? To glorify God. You know what the grace of God ought to do? It ought to teach us, or it should teach us, why we do the good works is to glorify God. You get the judgment seat of Christ, your motive is what's going to be judged. It does not matter how big or how small those works are. If you've done it to glorify God, it'll last forever. And it don't matter how big or how small it is, if you did it for any other reason, it ain't going to last. It's going to burn up. No matter what it is, for any other reason, teaching us to deny ungodly lust. Ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously. Godly in this present here it is, that word sober again. Third time, I think it is. In the book of Titus, we're only in two chapters in, three times that sobriety is mentioned. What's that word sobriety mean? It means that it, it's the, it means this. If it's the third time, it's the expectation of the creator. Here's what it means. It means you control yourself. Now, listen, the saving grace of God makes the saint self, under self-control. You don't need a pill. You don't need a bottle. You don't need a, you don't need a, you don't need a drug. You don't need a chew. You don't need a substance. You don't need some kind of I don't care, natural or not. You don't need self-control is a is a product of the spirit-filled life. That's why this flopping on the ground business these churches do. That is not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of Satan. It's flapping your tongue. It's tongue flapping and flapping on the floor like a fish, losing control. That's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God will put you in control. Master yourself, sobriety. I tell you what, saving grace not only will bring sobriety, but it'll bring righteous men and women. The grace of God makes it possible for anybody who's been saved by the grace of God, been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, to overcome this world. I just can't do it, then you need to get saved. Or you need to get a hold of the grace of God that did save you. The grace of God will help you overcome the vices of this world. The ways of this world, the influences of this world, of the temptations of this world, the lies of this world. See, grace is greater than law. I gotta hurry. Gotta hurry. Listen. What it says in verse number 13. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing. 
Here's the motivation. Here's the hope. Here's why we do what we do. Yes, the grace of God. Yes, we watch the Lord Jesus Christ. It's reasonable service. But not only that, we're looking for that blessed hope. That is the future hope of the church. This is speaking of the time when Jesus is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and they also which pierced him. Hey, this is dealing with God's return. We're going to deal with this more later on, maybe next Wednesday. But listen, there's two stages here found. It is the blessed hope given to the church and the glorious appearing of the King of the Jews is coming. There's two stages here. The Bible says this, the blessed hope, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a, there's a good proof text for the deity of Christ, isn't it? He said the one's coming is the great God, our Savior. Believers are not taught to look for a system to rise out of the earth. Stop looking for a political system to rise up and fix everything. What are we to look for? We're to look for a Savior to come out of heaven. Not rate rising something up out of, the, out of the earth where we're looking for God to come down from heaven. That first stage of his coming, it will be glorious. <laughs> Why? Because the believer is going to be freed from this vile body of sin, this vile body of death, this, this, this corruptible body is going to put on incorruption. Oh, and this body of death is going to be changed unto, uh, like unto Jesus' own glorious body. It's a glorious appearing. I'll tell you just a few things and I'm done. This blessed hope should keep us pure. This blessed hope ought to keep us busy about our Christian duty. This hope, this hope ought to help us as we move through our day-to-day Christian life. This hope provides blessing when you, when you have sorrow concerning those who have left us and those who have left this world and, and fallen asleep in Christ. It gives us hope of seeing them again. Hey listen, hope is the source of joy when human happiness begins to fade. Hey listen, hope is that hope of anticipation that one day soon we're going to see the dearest friend we've ever had. At any moment we're going to see our dearest friend. And my friend, this hope brings stability and it brings patience unto the Christian as we work for the Lord and this hope produces good works it, 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 it motivates us to conform to the will of God now listen if we didn't believe Jesus was coming back this admonition wouldn't mean much if we didn't believe Jesus was coming soon it wouldn't be practical and it would be unreasonable for these things to be in our life. But my friend, I am, I am fully convinced that Jesus is coming soon. It ain't just because what's going on over in Israel, but I'm telling you what, you know what that does? It gives me, hey, he's coming. But I'll tell you what else gives me hope of his coming when the sun came up this morning. When I woke up and I looked out the window and I saw the, the sun start peeping over. I couldn't see the actual sun, but saw the rays of the sun kind of coming up. Oh, hallelujah, he's coming. When I went outside and saw some clouds, I said, hallelujah, he's coming. You walk out there tonight and you see the moon and the stars. Hallelujah, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Oh, we're looking for anticipation for our Lord's coming. 
He is coming. We know that Jesus is coming. We know Jesus is alive. We know that he's seated right now at the right hand of God the Father. And right now he's prepared a place for us. We know that one day we shall be present with him. And we shall be made like him. We know, we know that. But watch this. All of that remains hope for us. Not because we, we, not because we have doubts of its truth. Or, and not even that we, we wonder if it's really true. But because we haven't seen it yet. We've not seen it with our own eyes yet. So it's hope. Hope is a motivator. Listen, our flesh, it pleads for a life of, of ease. Our, our flesh pleads with a, a, a life of less commitment. A life of normalcy maybe. The Spirit of God says 10 million years from now, you'll be in a land that's fairer than day. It won't be long you'll get to see Him face to face. I'll tell you what, some days I feel like quitting. Some days I feel like, you know what? Let them have it. It's got to be something easier. I'll be something better to do. All of a sudden, the sweet spirit of God says, Oh, my child, it won't be long. It won't be long. It won't be long and you'll see the one who gave everything for you. Just give him a little more. Just give him a little more. Just go a little further. Just go a little further. I'm telling you what hope motivates. Hope purifies. Hope purifies. One day soon, our hope's going to be fulfilled. I'm looking up, watching. I'm listening for my name. I'm listening for the trump of God. I'm anticipating the fulfillment of the hope that's laid up for me. I'm waiting for the receipt of that promise. That God had made me, you know, hey, he made me through the death of his son. The death and the resurrection of his son. He, he said, I prom- that's a promise, that's a promise. I'm waiting for the receipt of that promise. Listen, it won't be long now. Matter of days, I believe it. I believe it. The Lord himself, he ain't sending Peter. He ain't seeing Michael. He ain't sending Gabriel. He ain't sending mom or daddy. But the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. and He's going to catch me away. He's going to catch me away. And listen, I'm going to get to see my Jesus face to face. I'm going to see God for the first time. I'm going to see all the wonders of heaven. I'm going to be eternally free from my life of trouble, this life of burden, this life of toil, this life of care. I'm going to be a land where nobody dies, where nobody kills, where nobody lies, where nobody cheats, where nobody steals. Hey, we're heaven bound with a hammer down this evening. Hallelujah, glory to God. Amen. I thank God for heaven. But wait. Does my next door neighbor know the gospel? Has the people in my community heard the gospel? What if the man that I work with every day, I do business with all the time, what if he's not saved? What if, what if he stands before God one day, lost and facing that lake of fire, and he looks over and he points 
And he curses at me and he says, uh, you never mentioned him to me. You never told me. You never said anything about this to me. Oh, I have a hope. If you're saved, you have a hope. This world doesn't have hope. So what do we do? We got to take our hope to the world. It is our responsibility. Not just the preachers. It is our responsibility. It's, watch this, it's our solemn responsibility. Thank God for mission boards. But it's the church's responsibility. Thank God for other, other types of ministry. But it's the church's responsibility. To get hope to the world. Listen, I'm telling you, friend, you may not believe it's come from a young man, but I'm telling you, would nothing more thrill me than the trump to sound right now. I'm telling you, friend, I mean, there's nothing that would thrill my heart more than to be called away at this very moment. I mean, think about it, to leave church here and go into that church, amen, and to leave this sanctuary and go to that sanctuary. I mean, I can't wait. Twinkling of an eye, the next time I see you is in the presence of our blessed Redeemer. But I tell you what, there's another part of my heart that breaks. It breaks because I think about the ones that I never heard. And I don't just mean, I don't just mean the jungles of Africa, the jungles of Papua New Guinea, the tribes of Australia, the tribes of South America, or wherever else we could go in the world, the island. I don't mean just those that have never heard there. I mean in our own Jerusalem. They've never heard the gospel. Oh, they've heard Christian stuff. They've heard of God. Then I think about the ones who say, not today. Not yet. Maybe some other time. I'll get to it. I'm going to get saved one day, but just not right now. Listen, we have the hope of eternal life. We have the Word of God wherein that hope is revealed. So we have a duty. We have a duty to tell those around us. I believe the world's crying out for hope. I do not think for one minute that those individuals enjoy their life of drugs and liquor. I don't think for one minute is they that they find satisfaction in that, that tangled web of adultery and fornication and deception. Many of them hate the life they're living. They have no hope. They have no place to turn. Never have I heard one man get up and praise the devil. Never heard nobody get up and say, I'm just going to thank, thank, thank the devil for being so good to me. Never have I heard anybody say, I just want to say, thank you devil for your kindness to my life. They hate him. But yet, you turn on the radio and you hear his hymns played. Turn on the radio station. What are you going to hear? 
Satan's hymns played. Singing praise and glory to Satan. No, that music is filled with bitterness, pain, vengeance, emptiness. Here it is. Hopelessness. Our hope ought to compel us to carry the gospel with a diligence which we've never 